One, two, three, four. I'm testing. Yo, what's the name of this thing? Black Market. Alright, what's cracking my people? It's your boy ADQ. I am here at this gathering of black businesses. And I'm going to see if I can get as much information as I possibly can. Right here we have two-time podcast guest Tiffany Grant. Tiffany, what you got over here? Yeah, so today, I'm not doing money talk with Tiff. Today, I'm doing fly-dye. Fly-dye socks and underwear. Yes, tie-dye. It's called Fly-Dye Clothing Company. It's my husband's business. You can find us at fly-dyeco.com, fly-dyeco on Instagram and Facebook. But pretty much, it's handmade custom tie-dye apparel. We have everything from underwears to socks to shirts to bras to panties. All types of things. We're going to have men's underwear soon because we just had like five people, five guys, say that they want some of these. So, uh, so Keisha, uh, cover Sky's ears real quick. <laughs> she done heard it all. If you want some colorful foreplay, this is, y'all know people that hit up, right? Yes, yes. And we can do custom. So we have like 40 different colors that you can choose from. And you can go to our website and you can pick your own colors and we will custom make you something fly. I will bet that y'all got Black Wall Street all up in y'all's household. But that's what's up. We do. And we got RBG out here. We got Man, this is about to be the, this is about to be some revolutionary foreplay up in here. Is there any better? You are the queen, black woman. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get some of that free old stuff, yo. I will. Uh, actually, I'll go. La- I'll get them last. I'll, I'll debate whether or not I want to get some. Nice meeting, y'all. I will. <laughs> what is your name, my car- my caramel queen? My name is Ashley. Ashley, no shortage, no shortage of those in the world. Ashley Nicole. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so what is your, uh, what are you pushing out here? So today, what I have is the One Hip Experience. Right here is your hemp CBD tent. There is several edibles. There's cheesecake. There's brownies. There's lotion. There's hair products. So just a little bit of everything. Give you the full hemp experience. That's what's up. That's what's up. Now, yo, for all of us who are not all that familiar with hemp, I mean, people have been talking more and more about it lately. Uh, can you please uh, describe for the listeners what hemp is? So, hemp and what's your Facebook information so I can find you? But go ahead. So on Facebook, I'm at the One Hemp Experience. So you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at both. Um, my website is theonehemp.com. Right. You can reach me at 336-355-1646, phone or text if you choose. So with cannabis, it is well CBD is derived from the cannabis plant. It is meant to target the receptors in your body to create homeostasis, which is creating a balance. Mm-hmm. So, really, you're going to get focused you, if you have anxiety, if you have depression. It's really going to put you back into a balanced state instead of you being more in your depression or more in your anxiety. It'll bring you back to a level state. So, best thing I can do is say, try it before you knock it. Because the best thing you can do is try it and it worked for you. Then you not try it, and then you never know. 
And I just want to say, y'all, she's out here uh, flashing a beautiful smile, yelling out her number, and I don't see a ring on one finger nowhere. I was just saying. Now nah, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. But uh, yeah, that hemp is a good thing because mental health in our community is very important. And that's my target is to at least help people with things that they don't really know that can help them. That's the CBD. If you do the research, it actually has. Talk louder. <laughs> You're black. Talk louder. <laughs> no, with CBD, it has a lot of healing properties that most people don't know about. Um, the one of the big things that's in the news is about the military. A lot of military individuals have opioid addictions. My my mind process says change that opioid addiction into a CBD process that can work. Dope, very dope. Thank you, my queen. You're Appreciate welcome. you, <laughs> Tiffany. Yes. You every time every time I see you, I, uh, something feels granted. <laughs> that was a play upon your last name. Your last name's Grant, right? Oh. Granted. Okay. Jeez, catch the pun. That's why your foreplay material's falling in the flow. Ashe. Hey, just gonna go off and leave it, brother, huh? I was, I was, we're still in the vicinity. It looks like there probably were a lot more people out here, but probably maybe when it started to rain, people packed up. Okay, let me see what they got over here. I'll be right back. Look, check out, check out this shirt I'm about to put on. Don't do it. What you mean? Oh, you supposed to be helping. Look, look at that. Man, all you gotta do is take a picture of Chad with Boseman and print it out. This one, that one. Right. Don't look at it. I'm trying to keep my sister from spending too much money. But maybe maybe brother here could give a nice little description of these shirts and uh, convince people to spend money on them. Well, I'll tell you, they're amazing. I wish you could just come and see them because they have the roots and the hair of the, of, the, of the sweetest woman ever. The hoodies, the glasses, the hats, the, uh, uh, the better umbrella I've seen on TV. Sunglasses, Ray-Ban, come down and, 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 and stop and look around and have a good time and get a taco. Yeah, those tacos do taste good. Mm -hmm. I don't see, uh, uh, dang, I did, for a second there, I was about to say I don't see Obama, which is a good thing. That look dope, that does look dope, though. Excuse me, man. Wakanda forever. Sorry, I need sunglasses. Don't buy nothing. Wait, but is this stuff I really need, though? You could buy sunglasses from the dollar store. No, no, you think that's not the kind I want. Huh, Connecticut, man. Thank you. <laughs> it's your boy, ADQ. I am here at this gathering of black businesses. And right here we have some ethnic wear. Oh, sorry to interrupt y'all conversation. I'm sorry. That's right. Sir, can you please explain for the people on my podcast, ADQ's Renaissance, what you got here? I got some nice African jewelry, bracelets, and carvings, waist beaks, bags, fan, a lot of stuff here. Yeah. Oh yeah, this stuff look very nice. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, how much are, how much is this bracelet? Ten each. Ten each? Yeah. Okay, so say I didn't want say I wanted something but didn't have the money to get it today. Where can where can want where can your fit, business be found at? Yeah, that family collection. Thank you. Okay, New African Store five five eighteen North Spring Street, Greensboro, North Carolina, two seven four zero one. Open Tuesday through Saturday, ten AM to seven PM, gray hours. Yo, 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 yo. Three, three the number is three three six seven six three fifty twenty African art, dresses, jewelry, masks, purses, ties, kente, menswear, sandals, waist beads, um, woodwork, drums, fans, tables, and more. Instagram, Facebook, Kwame Collection. Yeah. I will definitely be uh, checking out your business, sir. Okay, sir. Yeah, there's some great stuff. Yeah. How y'all doing? And now I'm going to stop my sister from spending money. Alright, yo, we we over here at the Frito. I mean, at the. Uh, we're over here at uh, Black Businesses, and uh, this Frito pie tastes like Texas. The uh, Frito pie tastes incredible. I took a bite of it. And I want to find my mama and slap her right now. I did. I had experience it. So, Taste Like Texas, look them up on Instagram and Taste Like Texas. T A S T E S L I K E T X. What up, Cody? I'm so grateful for the day. He woke me up, he woke you up. Oh, you able to see, breathe, touch, feel, see. You know what I mean? Jesus Christ is king. I'm bringing the head back. back. Yeah, back. What up, twin? Uh, uh, uh. What's the greatest commandment on how to block them haters? Had the strain and the pain that God showed me favor. Wait, wait. Turn that net plate. That's important data. Caesars come and go like cicadas. Blame the scars and the shots because it made us. Praying for my block, it's like I paid her Nothing fade, I'm paper chasing Give hope, their erasure Push dope, their abrasion They trying to hit for the majors Subtract myself, I pray you know the creator He's bigger than that mania Mediterranean Sustaining, I bet you you don't know your losses be gains I bet you you don't know you winning when they shame you when you're hungry and your stomach feel like you faint and down respected paintings oh. Only team I claim is Jesus Christ the King Keep the colors in fact, you can have the rings It's gang gang over Satan trying to intervene I bang bang 30 shots just to make one believe Keep the numbers, I'm running for my life Grandma Wednesday Sunday, ooh, Proverbs chapter 22 in the ring I leave, 
yeah, I stick and move. Dreaming of a king while the ink move. While anointing oil dripping down to the pen ooze. Residue stain. Feeling like Karate Kid on the crane. Discipleship is the aim. Lord, let my heart show. Deeper than a Twitter post or a face post. Going ocean with a dove. I'll show you love. Give you a hug. Yo, 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 what's cracking, my people? Welcome to yet another episode of ADQ's Renaissance. I'm your host with the most, keeping 100 from coast to coast through God, our boast, A-D-Q. Today is Monday, September the 14th, 2020, September the 14th. My, oh, my, oh, my, this month is going by faster than the crack, baby, on caffeine. You know what I'm saying? So, um, today we have a dope, dope episode. Guess what we're talking about? Guess what we're talking about? I'm going to let y'all guess anything. Just any old thing. Just any old thing. Go ahead, guess. That's right. We are going to be talking about the theater. <sighs> I do love the theater. The theater. But another thing I love is the word. Let's get into it real quick. Let's go to Psalm chapter th- 103, verse 2 through 5. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. Renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated fairly. Yo, I wanted to like, I wanted to like, um, I wanted to like read that one because um, a friend of mine, a brother uh, by the name of Justin Cunningham, yo, uh, Cunningham actually, he came out earlier today talking, saying that uh, he tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, everybody, please keep him in your prayers. Keep him in your positive thoughts. Keep those positive vibes his way. Um, if you're out here in the if you're out here in these streets, you know, COVID nineteen ain't nothing to play with. Uh, Just Cunningham, very, very, very uh, smart brother. He's from Shelby, like I am. Uh, he went to that dreadful Press High School. Um, he. Um, he and Obasi, uh, Obasi uh, Amare, um, they are both hosts of the dope, incredible podcast, Black Blackout Loud on Anchor. If you haven't checked that out, you are missing out. It's very incredible. It's very informative. Justin, brother, we praying for you. We throwing up some vibes to the ancestors for you. Um, you're going to get through this, brother. You're going to come out shining. Now, today... I'm not going to babble that much because I just want to go ahead and get into the greatness that we got. You know what I'm saying? So, today is Monday, and on Monday, I like to talk theater. <sighs> Especially here in COVID season. But you know what COVID season has allowed me to do? 
COVID season has allowed me to reach out to fellow theater people near and far for collaborative efforts and to talk about theater. You know what I'm saying? So today, as we conduct this particular theater roundtable, allow me to introduce you all who I will be conducting it with. First of all, a young lady, a young lady who looks like she just celebrated her uh, 21st birthday. I has, I have had the distinct privilege to perform in not one, but two plays with this young lady. Um, I watched her completely kill it, kill it as Lee Lane and Barnum. You know what I'm saying? P.T. Barnum had, did his great things, but man, he didn't have his cherry. If he didn't have his cherry, he wouldn't have done nothing. Saw her sing, I was like, oh my God, this woman can sing, yo. And then a couple years, and then about a year later, I had the pleasure of acting alongside her directly in A Midsummer Night's Dream. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Miss Carmen Deese. Also coming to eight, also coming to this particular episode of ADQ's Renaissance. I was looking for someone to portray Oscar in the upcoming November 6th production reading of Aprenda Español. This brother sent me an audition tape and I was like, oh my God, oh my goodness. Okay, okay, Oscar, you Oscar. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to us from the Big Apple, please welcome Mr. Orlando Rodriguez. Hello. And at last, also coming from the Big Apple, well, East Rutherford, New Jersey, to be exact. Ladies and gentlemen, this man's a director. This man has done incredible things that has completely eradicated all worms from the Big Apple. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. David Vaughn to ADQ's Renaissance. That is the best introduction of my life. Thank you, Adrian. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> no problem. See, we have a phrase here. We have a saying here on ADQ's Renaissance. I'm going to give you your flowers while you can still smell them. So how's everybody doing? Great. Fantastic. Robin, how you doing? She's doing so good that she's at a loss for she's at a loss for audio. <laughs> she's at a loss for audio. Uh Carmen, is your audio on? How about that? There oh, we go. There you go. All right. Come on now, you cannot rob us of that incredible voice. No, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot. In fact, that's how we first met. That's how we first became friends. We was in rehearsal for Barnum. And I heard, I think it was, I like your style that you sang. I was, and normally I'm like hanging to the back, doing my own thing and stuff. Very seldomly do I communicate with people. So early in the rehearsal process, but when you sang, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> Again, with these introductions, I'm for it. <laughs> I'm only speaking the truth. Just, I mean, you can't sing. You can sing. <laughs> you know, that was like one of those shows where it was just in my sweet spot. You know, you find those roles where it's just right in the middle. Everything is easy. So that was... Definitely that role for me. Yeah, I, uh, uh, of course, I was there for the whole thing. You play that role like flawlessly. It's like, um, it's like 
Dang, uh, my 35-year-old brain is acting up right now. Um, the man, Gary. Gary. Yeah, Gary. Uh, of course, he was playing P.T. Barnum. But, you know, P.T. Barnum, he needed his wife uh, to get to get things done and whatnot. And you feel that spot. And you feel that spot perfectly. Um, well, you know, I, I never met Gary, even during the audition process. I think he was doing another show. I'm pretty sure it was Beauty and the Beast. So I never met him until we were both cast and we came to the first rehearsal. But I knew of Gary and everyone, I think, who does local theater knows Gary. And... Um, so, but we just, we just had great chemistry that just kind of instant chemistry you always hope for. And uh, so it was just fun. We, we just had fun all the time. Yeah, yeah, I have, I have fun with that too. You know, um, I'm sorry that y'all had not seen me trying to dance. <laughs> um, Orlando, Orlando, <clears throat> David, you don't want to ever see me dance. I am the most uh, I am the most rhythmless black person that you've ever seen in your entire life. Now wait a minute, I I had you as a partner, so I don't know if I'd go that far. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> See, I was going to I was going to tell the whole Midsummer Night's Dream story too. You carried me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, in all fairness, no matter who I dance with, I am the lead. Yeah. So, <laughs> and it's not because I'm that great. It's just I'm going to lead. So you just have to get used to it. Hey, when I dance, I embarrass my ancestors. I'm just saying. You make yours proud. Orlando. What's up? Man, man, we've been rehearsing for Aprenda Espanol. You have been, uh, you have been killing the game, man. You have been oh, killing the game. Now, um, I've now, I'm sorry, but I have been asking each cast member what is it that draws them to Aprenda Espanol, right? Yeah. Just, uh, just to kind of like help promote them all, you know, November 6th, Zoom <laughs> and YouTube. I'm just saying, 8 o'clock, because, you know, you know, uh, November 2nd, Hispanic Day of the Day, right? Yeah. Um, November 3rd is going to be the American Day of the Day, you know, Election Day. <laughs> We're going to need a 4th and a 5th to recuperate, so I'm like, on the 6th, theater, you know what I'm saying? No, so, definitely. as you uh, work throughout the, uh, as you work throughout the rehearsal process of Apprentice Espanol, what, what is it that draws you to the play? Um, I, I would say that the biggest draw is um, just the I mean, it's really relevant to right now. It's dealing with racism, um, even that, that black versus brown racism that's unfortunately very present in, in America. Um, I just feel like it's, it spoke to me because it's a searching for that unity between the cultures and we need that right now. We need unity. I agree and my, and I would like to say, Unity, this is unity going on right here. We are a black man, a Native American woman, a Hispanic, a, a Puerto Rican, right? I'm Mexican. Mexican. I'm sorry. I'm Mexican. American man and a, and a Caucasian American man talking about theater. If theater yeah. is the ultimate uniter, you know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to that Caucasian American man, David. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> man, I'm blessed, black, and highly favored up in these streets, man. So, David, um, 
you're you're a director. How do you uh, approach every project uh, direct uh, in the in the through the lens of a director? How what's your what's like your process for all of us novice directors out there? Uh, so I'm going to say two things. I'm going to say one on the very practical side and then one more on the artistic side. So the practical side is the very, very, very first thing I do is I ask whoever my boss is if they have any expectations. The producer, the, the artistic director of the theater, the board, whoever is really, who's, whoever signs my paychecks, I ask them because oftentimes I find that they have something they want and that either they're embarrassed to ask or they'll wait till the day before we open to ask for. So I kind of like to get that out of the way. That's my practical side. The kind of artistic thing is I do, I would say the first thing I do is I I read or watch or I, if I don't know the show, I read it and then I just pick one thing that I like. And it can be a word a character says, it can be a poster from the first production in 1950 could be anything I find something that I just love about it and I always go from there whether that be the very beginning or the very end there's something about the show that I love and whatever that is I kind of work from that as my kind of tent post um so oh yeah I think that um I think that any in any show that you direct that you have to find something you have to have you have to find something about it that you love or else you are going to half 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 patootie. <laughs> uh yeah. half buddy. You know, you you know what I'm saying? Like not give the most effort that you possibly can. I mean you can do all the work you can do all the work that you can, all the resource material, all the uh check off all the Michael Chekhov, uh Sanslavsky form of directing and whatever you can uh try and stuff, but if there's not a relative point there, you're done. Would you agree? I would totally agree. Yeah. So, um, so back, so back to you, Car- so back to you, Carmen. Now, this is the part where I ask all three of y'all, what got you in the theater? So, Carmen, what started you? Um, believe it or not, I was pretty shy. Uh, no. <laughs> I was an incredibly shy person, but um, when I was five years old, I made an announcement to my family that I was going to be in the Little Miss Lumbee pageant and I was going to win it. Now, a couple things you need to know, I had never been in a pageant before, Um, just decided at five that's what I was going to do. And not only was I going to do it, but I was going to win it. And that was the part where my mom said, well, don't tell the other contestants that if we put you in it. Because that's not going to go over so well. And so the Little Miss Lumpy pageant was the um, tribal pageant. Um, and so, you know, it was, we had 14 contestants. And I was, you know, again, between the ages of four to six. And, um, and to everyone's surprise, I actually did win. Um, including my own. I don't think I realized that I had won until they were putting the crown. I was like, oh, I did win this. Okay, this is pretty cool. Um, And then my, throughout that year, you have certain things you have to do, you know. And I was just terrified to talk to strangers in a parking lot who might come up and say, oh, you know, congratulations, Little Miss Lummi, because this is a big deal for our tribe. Um, And about 1,500 people go to this pageant every year. And so um, it was, you know, just a really big thing. And my mom was like, you know, we gotta do something about this because you just can't 
you can't be little Miss Lumby and, and not be able to speak to people. And just, you know, terrified of being in front of people, which made no sense because I was not scared at all, you know, obviously the night of that pageant. And um, I started taking dance lessons. My mom was like, okay, we'll put you in dance lessons. And then, you know, maybe that'll help you have some stage presence and feel comfortable in front of people. Um, and that was a really big thing for my mom too, because she had always wanted to take dance lessons as a child and couldn't do it because they didn't have any studios that would take Indian, Indian girls, native girls. And so, um, right, so there, there weren't any studios for native girls at the time my mom was coming along. And so um, that she was just excited to be able to do that for me. And then um, my church choir director was giving me um, voice lessons and in front of me one day, he kind of jokingly said that I always could sing in the same key and that was the key of flat. And so <laughs> I think at that point, my mom's like, mm, we gotta do something about this singing thing too. <laughs> We're gonna continue down this road. That's some work to do. Yeah, some work to do. So I uh, didn't stay in the pageant world. That's not, that we weren't built for that. Like my parents, my, I have three older brothers. We weren't built for the whole pageant thing. Um, although I did some when I got a little bit older, but uh, I still wanted an avenue to perform. Um, and I think all, my entire family, they're artistic and performers in that way. And so my ninth grade year, I was in band and I played baritone and I was sitting next to this guy um, who was a senior and played tuba. And he said, you gotta come and audition for this um, all county musical that that we're having, you know, it, it's the, all the high schools and it's you know huge. It's a huge production and they have lots of money for it. It's a lot of fun, and I was like, there's no way I can do that. I mean, there's just no way. And um, I, the director would go to all the different high schools and do, hold auditions there, and then you would have callbacks at a central location. And he just every day harassed me. I mean, it was a literal harassment to get me to agree to audition. You should do it. You should do it. You know, you can actually sing. You should do it. And um, I finally, the day of, I brought my music to actually audition. Um, and it was Guys and Dolls. And I got a call back for the role of Sarah. Which was Yay. huge. Yeah, I was like, what? What, what is this callback? They don't even know what this thing is. And so um, that's how I got into theater. And all throughout the rehearsal process, I thought that the director was the most horrible, mean human being in the world. And I was never gonna do another show because she was just terrible. By the end, I loved her. And she became my voice teacher that got me out of the key of flat. And, um, and I was, I had the bug. <laughs> and I did it all through school. I got to UNCG and got a little disenchanted with theater. And when I, when I made the decision not to make it a, a full-time career choice, I said, I can't do it at all. Cause if, if I can't do it all the time, I can't do it at all. I just, it was like, I, I was too heartbroken about giving it up. And so I stepped away and didn't do anything for 13 years. Yeah, 13 years, I didn't do any theater. And as artistic people, you know, you have to have an outlet somehow, some way, like you have to have that outlet in your life. And um, I decided I wanted to give it a, a whirl and have been away from it for so long. I took an acting class when I was living in Charleston, South Carolina. And um, the, the teacher's like, you should, you should do some stuff. And I'm like, oh, no, you know, oh, you just do it, do it for fun. And so I came back after that 13 year hiatus and just remember what it was like just to have fun and to, to, to do something for the pleasure of just making art um, with other people, other like-minded people. And um, until COVID, I was on a pretty good roll. <laughs> I, um, well, first of all, it's good that you learned dance because it would have been funny if your mom would have said, um, 
You never know when you'll have to carry a guy in a Shakespeare play. You just never know. Yeah. I don't think that's quite what she envisioned, but um, it's worked out, actually. It did. And second of all, you know, I will bet, uh, I will bet, I will bet that you and I will bet you're not the only person who started off, started off this whole theater journey, you know, being shy. Because I was shy. Believe it or not, I was shy when I was, when I was little and, you know, we're basically like, we're basically like what, two a year or two apart. Yeah. Uh, you're you're 21. I'm 23. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but started doing theater when I was five. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, I started doing theater. I started doing theater when I was 11. And also, um, and also, you're right. When you're artistic, you have you have to have an outlet. Between my high school play, Damn Yankees, and doing Super back in 2008. What was I doing in those six years? Gospel rapping. Just rap, 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 rapping it up. Don't look at me like that. I got bars, too. Let's hear it. All right. Uh, dang, it's going to put me on the spot. I mean, if you put it out there, that's what you got to do. You got to be prepared. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Let's see. Let's see. You didn't do theater because it doesn't. You didn't do theater because it doesn't come much green. Hey, Carmen, tell us about the Native American theater scene. Boom. Native American theater scene. So. Exist. Was that? Or doesn't even exist. So. Mm, uh, there was once upon a time for a 20 some year span, I think. I think it started in the 70s. I was doing this in 2001, 2002-ish time frame, frame. So there was um, an out, one of the state outdoor dramas um, called Strike at the Wind. Um, never was on the scale of, of you know, The Lost Colony, which is ironic considering the connection between my people and The Lost Colony, but that's a whole other story for another day. Um, but anyway, it's called Strike at the Wind. It was based on one of our you know historical heroes, um, often, described as the um, Robin Hood of our tribe. Um, literally stole from banks, did things like left the safe in the middle of the street um, after his family was murdered by uh, the Confederate Home Guard um, in an attempt to, la to land grab. But anyway, long story, let me get back around to the point. Um, that was an outdoor drama which was quite successful and uh, for many years employed the local Native community and I actually had the privilege of choreographing it for a couple of years. Um, so that was that was something that was meaningful to me because it was about my people and included my people and be able to participate in it was pretty cool. But, um, and there was also um, what we call the American Indian um, Theater, which was a huge thing. It's kind of died down. Uh, well, I, I don't, I think it's basically, it's not as all what it was um which which had a huge huge um it's pretty prominent um nationally so and it, and it brought up quite a few performers that in, in ways where you would see you know mixing of traditional culture you know with more um you know mainstream american culture a little bit of what we call walking in two worlds combining the two um so and then of course there are plays like black elk speaks um, which are written about and by Native people. But um, the, the Native scene is not, not what it could be, not what it should be, I think. 
well, you are you are part of the change today. You and your you and your husband, y'all are part y'all are a part of the change today because yo, uh, if Sanzlowski had his way, I'm pretty sure me, you, and Orlando wouldn't have done half of the roles that we've done, right? <laughs> like you have to be a white dude to be Theseus. Right. Yo, when we were in Barlam, I played a guy named Julius Goldschmidt. I mean, came from Black Goldschmidt, you know, walking around here. Yeah. That was always hubris to me. <laughs> Set in 18, whatever. Yeah. I mean, even if it was like, even if it was like, you know, um, a Black, even if it was a Black Jew, uh, yeah, Black Jew, I doubt it would be Goldschmidt or any of those European Jewish names. <laughs> But wow, dope story! Now that was dope. Uh, Orlando, you gotta tell me how you got in the theater, man. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I actually got into the theater. Um, I was a bit later. Um, I was in college. Uh, basically went to college. Had no idea what I was doing with my life. Started at college, kind of just taking the basics and trying to figure life out. Uh, one of those basic classes was a theater. They call it theater practicum. Uh, where basically you help, you work in the scene shop, um, building sets, and that's kind of like how you get your credit in that class. Oh, yeah. um, and then that's when I met a friend that was like, dude, they're having auditions for the summer thing. You should do it. And I was like, well, all right, let's give it a shot. And then from then on, I kind of just started really thinking about maybe this is the career path I want. Um, and that's when I completely changed my major into theater. I did almost everything in college. I, I was director, uh, scene designer, costume designer. I was kind of just trying a little bit of everything, just trying to figure out what exactly is in the theater that I want. But I knew definitely it was the creative juices, as we were talking about, the creativeness was what was really speaking to me. Um, and then um, I graduated college. Unfortunately, I graduated college, got a job, and got stuck at that job for like six years. Um, so there's a good portion of my life in which I was like, what exactly am I doing? Um, my, at the time, she was my girlfriend. Uh, she moved. She's the one that moved up here to New York first. And it was a wake-up call where I was like, why am I stuck in this job? I don't like this job. Uh, this is not what I went to college for. Uh, so I put it in my two weeks, uh, flew up here with almost no money, and luckily uh, my girlfriend and her roommates gave me a spot here to just stay here. Um, and I've been pursuing, I've been doing the theater scene here in New York. Um, got married, so that was pretty cool. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. And then the most recent thing I've done, actually, um, right before COVID started, um, I I was in a a playwriting class uh, called it was called Voices of America. It's run through this program called the PGE. Um, started doing their workshop. Next thing I knew, I had a draft of a play, and then they invited me in to do this program with them, in which they would help me write the second draft wrote the second draft and just had it read this past weekend mm. um, and it's just 
it's I'm still like on a high from that uh, feeling of people actors reading a script I wrote. It's amazing. And you see, Orlando, me and uh, me and Carmen, we have friends here in Greensboro who do this thing called the Greensboro Playwrights Forum, right? So, um, I once had, oh man, I think I, when I first had like a draft of a printed Espanol read for the first time, mm-hmm. hearing my words come out of people's mouths, I've been there, man. It's like, yeah. <laughs> dang. From my from my from my big head to the page out of someone's mouth into the into the atmosphere, dang. It's it's incredible. I got blessed with amazing actors who I am not kidding felt like they portrayed the characters I wrote a hundred percent. Um, they were incredible. So it, it was awesome. It was awesome to hear that happen. Um, so yeah, I kind of do a little bit of everything, just trying a little bit of everything. Man, I'm glad you. I'm glad you had that experience because it's a great experience. Um, it's interesting that you. It's interesting that you mentioned that you uh, got into directing. I've gotten into directing, but I think like the 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 directorial aficionado is Mr. Vaughn here. <laughs> oh, I could say that. I could say that in that, uh, in that, in that James Bond villain voice, Mister Vaughn. Yeah, I prefer that introduction. Thank you. <laughs> get it right, ADQ. <laughs> oh, uh, David, how'd you get? How'd you get started in the theater? I gotta switch my light because I gotta make sure I look beautiful. Um, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um, so I, when I was young, my mom needed a place to put me for the summer when I was in middle school. So she put me in like a theater camp and the bug was a little bit bitten there. And then when I, my first year of uh, high school, ninth grade, I took like a kind of like what Orlando, you're talking about like a shop class where I was like building sets or, you know, and, uh, and they needed guys for their musical. And I was like, I don't really want to do it. My friend's like, Oh, you should do it. You should do it. And I was like, oh, okay. So I did it. And then I've totally, I got bit by the bug and I don't want to step on any toes Carmen but I was also in Guys and Dolls that year but I feel like my role was even more important than Sarah because I was Cuban dancer number two um so I know she's giving me <laughs> no no I, I wasn't actually cast I just got a call back as Sarah listen I was a Nini hotbox dancer oh yeah so you and I were basically the same pay grade right and I was also a Cuban dancer oh you were wait so we did this kind of together. We did. We did. Wonderful. Savannah was amazing, wasn't it? And the dun 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 dun. <laughs> so so yeah. So then I just continued theater in high school, and I knew I wanted to. I knew I wanted to be an actor, and my mom for my 16th birthday got me tickets to a touring production of a show called The Who's Tommy, mm. rock musical based off music for The Who, and. I remember very visually seeing that show and thinking, I want to make that happen. I didn't, I didn't quite know what that meant. I just knew that I wanted to create that. And I didn't know what that meant, be an actor, a writer, a produ- like I didn't know anything. So I went to college for theater. I moved to New York City and I was just wildly lucky for a lot of reasons um, 
to start working right away as an actor, and it's the only job I had for 15 years. I worked on Broadway, I did television and film and tours. I really chalk it up mostly to the fact that I'm a dude. It's just it was just easier for us at the time, and I could dance even though I wasn't a dancer. So it was like I don't know. You look back and you're like, why did I? Because I'm not that talented. And I would look back and I'm like. I think I just lucked out. Like my, my roommate was working for the casting. Like there's so many of those stories. I won't bother you with them. So I was doing a show for a very long time, and after five years of doing the show, I was I I kind of was like feeling the urge to do something different. And um, I was doing a tour of a show I had been doing for a very long time, and it closed in Los Angeles. And I had renters in my apartment in New York City, so I thought, you know what? Why don't I just stay in LA for a while? I'll, I really want to do t- television writing. I want to do theater directing. I want to just take class. I don't know. I just I want to do something different. So I stayed in LA for a couple years, and I oh my god, this lighting look look looks like I'm speaking in a log. Anyway, just people who are watching this, I'm sorry. Um, my lights are and they're out of battery. Uh, so I was in Los Angeles, and I started studying uh, television writing, and I would I started directing at a, a regional theater down there. And I just realized, oh, okay, this is it. It just, I felt right. I was like, this is the next phase of my life. And I wasn't bitter about being an actor. I loved, I still do. I love acting. I love performing. I had just lost the hunger part of it. That just like, I'll do anything. Like I want to, I had been comfortable and I had gotten to do a lot of things I always wanted to do. So I knew that directing and writing and kind of creating was that next step. So I kind of rebranded myself to people who asked that when they're saying, oh, what do you do? I say, I'm a director and a writer. Whether or not I was doing that for money, that's what I just rebranded myself as. I was still doing acting work on the side. I was still, you know, doing other things. So um, that kind of led me to where I am now. And and so I have spent 95% of my theatrical life in musical theater. So I know my story is a little different than some of yours. So the play world, is very exciting to me. I've written my first play recently, but I don't know it as well as the musical theater can. And I think I just fell in love with that as a kid. And so that was kind of my whole life for a very long time. So, 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 uh, number one, congratulations on doing Broadway. That is a life goal of mine. Number two, okay. Well, I had to get some bug spray because we're all getting bit by these daggone bugs. <laughs> Number three, musical theater. Musical theater, I'm gonna tell you a little song, something about musical theater. Part, most of my resume is made up of musical theater. Susical, back to the 80s. Um, um, uh, the, 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 the music man. Um, hey, yeah, I rapped in that too. Um, filler on the roof, working, gospel. Um, let's see, Annie, and rap Annie, Barnum's actually the last musical that I've done. I miss doing musicals. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, rap musicals, I talk about this all the time. People talk about Hamilton is amazing. Uh, all the shows recently that I've had rapping wonderful, but I'm like, y'all, there has, there's been so much rapping in musical theater for so long. Music Man, Foot. Mm-hmm. These shows have had rap in it for a very long time. Now, obviously, Lynn has taken that to the next level, but uh, it is not brand new to have rapping the, in the musical theater world, as you know. Okay, so so we know that Music Man 
has rapping in it, but you cut off when you mentioned the other one. Which one? What else does? Oh, God, there's so... I mean, the most recent ones are, like, you know, the obvious ones. In the Heights and... Um, but the, there, there is actually a rap. I, I love the show, and people make fun of me for it, and I take all the licks. But the show Footloose was actually super fun when I saw it on Broadway. But there is an entire rap in Act 2 where he's trying to convince the town council to to have this prom that they've been wanting for whatever. And it is horrific. It is <laughs> bullshitting on the ones and threes. <laughs> Do you want to jump out of the theater? But it's there, and it was there, and it was 1998. So it was, you got to listen to it. It's fantastically horrible. How can't, how can anybody not want to cut foot loose? I mean, come on. Oh, was bonkers. I saw it my year after I graduated high school, and I just, it was so exciting. And so, it, it was just like, it was young, it was aggressive, it was athletic. The, the choreography was, it's the first time I ever saw choreography that wasn't based in a traditional discipline, be it ballet, mm-hmm. modern. It's like L.A. Hip Hop Guy and A.C. Ciola. So it just everything looked different. It's why I fell in love with Tommy. It, Tommy was had the band on stage, and it was it was very um, almost operatic in its staging. There was a moment where a mirror breaks, and the, the whole stage was raining mirror pieces, and it was just very over-the-top and different. I think those are the shows that I that connect with me that are just totally different and I go oh because I think a lot of us especially as kids are like oh musical theater is Phantom, Les Mis, Cats, whatever shows you were kind of bust to go see and that those are great shows but sometimes you need somebody to kind of grab you with you know something new and I think Hamilton has obviously done that with a lot of young people now. You know, in the same way that Rent did as well. Exactly and they say every 20 years some mm-hmm. show comes around and changes musical theater West Side Story, and then 20 years later, Chorus Line, 20 years later, Rent, 20 years later, Hamilton. So, yeah. So, I'm going to have to wait until, like, 2035 to drop my uh, my atomic bomb on musical theater. And let me tell you how I could relate with Footloose. Footloose takes takes place with a young rebel trying to turn a small conservative town on his ear, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I consider myself to be some type of rebellious type. I got a little conservative in me, but mostly rebellious. I'm from a small, you know, I'm from a small town in North Carolina called Shelby, Shelltown in the building. And, you know, yeah, but when I, whenever I go there, I don't want to turn it on here. I want to say, hey, family. Hey, hey, ho, hey, uh, old high school friends. How y'all doing? Bye. <laughs> Orlando, have you done any musical theater calls? This guy has, I know she is. Have you done any musical theater? Oh no, uh, no. You, you don't want to see me, hear me sing. You don't want to. You don't want to see me dance, man. Um, I love watching musical theater. Um, as we were talking about uh, shows that actually impact you, one that I got kind of made fun of, but I thought it was great, was "Bad Out of Hell," which is all meatloaf music. Um, but it's just that wildness of the show. The story was weird. I can't even begin to tell you what that story was. It was like Peter Pan on crack with <laughs> music. Um, but as far as me doing it myself, um, I've never really been trained in music in any way. Um, it's recently, now that I'm 
old am I? I'm 32. Now that I'm 32, I've been like, well, maybe I should start picking that guitar and just learning. But as far as knowing how to do it, I've never been able to. But like, I, I always try to tell people who are somewhat, because, uh, you know, there are shows that everyone has to like and there are shows that everyone has to hate. And yeah. you, when you dissent, I think people like what how could you, you know bad out of hell that was terrible i did not see bad out of hell so i cannot confirm or deny if it was wonderful but i it doesn't matter because it it meant so much to you that it it worked in some way like i saw american psycho the musical on broadway which was on broadway for like 11 minutes and it <laughs> was so much and i think that's my entire review there was so much that was so good and so crazy and over the top and there was so much that was bad but it was the best evening of theater because i just felt yeah. so much and i think people forget that you know when you know I, there's a, a show that i that was on broadway like five or eight years ago and everyone in the community was like oh it's just transformative and amazing and i thought it was garbage and it's okay yeah. I think we often are like, no, you can't not like a show that everyone likes or vice versa. And I think this is the this is the year. It's 2020, guys. Let's all celebrate each other's likes. If you want a pumpkin spice yeah. day, go for it. Enjoy it. Enjoy <laughs> you know, that. You know what? On that note, I will say, um, I saw Chicago on Broadway. And you know how everybody just loves Chicago, you know? Cellophane, Mr. Cellophane and all that. Yeah, um, when I saw it on Broadway, I was like, "Dang, I got the DVD at home. I could say, I could say the." <laughs> I was sitting there think, I was, you know, you would think you see, you, you would think you see a Tony-winning Broadway musical on Broadway and stuff. You're thinking, "Man, this is an experience." And also, I was like really close to the stage too, right? Really close. But then I was thinking, dang man, I've seen. I mean, I do mostly community theater, and they could have done. My my people back in Greensboro and Winston could have done better than this. Sheesh. <laughs> um, I was like, man. So let me see. Let me think. And I wonder, am I gonna get mugged walking to the train station? I think I'm hungry. I wonder how late girls. That's what I was thinking while the whole show was going on. But you know what? Like you said, some people have yucks, some people have yums. Now, I want to know, Carmen, I'm pretty sure that you have a very rich musical resume, right? Uh, it can be kind of diverse. What is your absolute favorite musical that you've ever been in? Hmm. That I've ever been in. Um, that you've ever done. I am putting you on the spot. So it's not going to be, uh, I'll, I'll, let me give you two. Uh, one is I was in the ensemble, but it's one of these shows that I remember the very first time I heard the opening um, song. I had heard the prologue and I was like, this is amazing. Um, and that's Ragtime. So it's just, it was just one of those shows that I said, I don't care if I got to be a tree in a corner. Um, if I ever get the opportunity, I'm going to do that show. And, um, and I did, and, and the people, you know, the leads are just amazing, but the entire cast was, 
And um, this this show is just one of those. Just the storyline is just heartbreaking in all the best ways, I guess, this way. And it's poignant. It doesn't really. It, it's timeless um, and timely right now, um, for sure. But um, that was probably that one. Um, but all time favorite. A second the one would be Bye Bye Birdie, which is a completely um, nonsensical show. And so <laughs> there's like this much depth in that show. Um, but it was the it was just a blast to do. And I played Rosie and um, it was the first lead lead that I had. And um, it was all the fun things that I want to do. Dance on tables and, um, you know, um, just it, it was just a, it was a blast. So two total like polar opposites there <laughs> so what is the musical that what is like the musical that's on your bucket list that you absolutely have to be in before you die so is this going to be kind of like that role that you want to do or just the musical that you want to be in role you want to do so there are two of those and they're both um andrew Lloyd Webber shows two of everything don't you was <laughs> I am, yeah. Um, Evita. 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 Yes. Yeah. Okay, I can see a little "Don't Call, Don't Cry for Me" Argentina coming out of you. Or um, I'd be surprisingly good for you. So any like anything in that show, I just love. I choose um, you over Madonna. Huh? I choose you over Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and. Gosh, this is really hard. Um, we asked the hard questions on ADQ's Renaissance. So I, I've kind of, I think, kind of grown past wanting to play um, the narrator in, in um, Joseph, an amazing technical dream coat. But um, there are some great roles in City of Angels. Um, and I love the music. I love that style of music. Um, and just, just, the, the female roles in that are just, I, I love them. They're, they're phenomenal, strong characters and good songs. You know, It Needs Work is one one that I will walk around and sometimes sing at my husband um, for no apparent reason. <laughs> um, I get a little frustrated or, you know, what you don't know about women might crop up on occasion too. Um, that nice little duet there. <laughs> but I, I'd, I'd like to do that because it's, it's not done. I, it's, it's not performed and, and just, I love the music and the style. Um, and just the whole, it's very, it's incredibly complex. So from a technical standpoint. Okay, okay, okay. Orlando, um, what are some dream roles out there that, that you would like to uh, take upon? Uh, dream roles, uh, there's plenty. Um, in two. film, in film, I would love to be a Batman villain. There's so many good ones that I don't have a specific one, but I want to be a Batman villain. Or you want to be all of them? Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but there's some good ones. There's like Calendar Man, who's actually a lot creepier than his name sounds. Uh, there's this guy named Anarchy. Um, I would, yeah, just being a, vill a villain in a Batman movie would be like dreams. Okay, um, so real quick, real quick, real quick, real quick. Just real quick. I mean, we're talking about theater here, but since you brought up Batman, I can't help but I, I, I can't help but do this 
real quick, one minute rant, real quick. I think uh-huh. I, I think I tapped out of the Batman universe for several reasons for the time being. Number one, because in, because everybody know MCU is kicking DCU's complete butt right now. You know what I'm saying? I mean, when a superhero movie makes you cry, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, DC. Y'all suck right now. Number two, the travesty, the outright, the outright blasphemous travesty that never really existed. We just all had a, we just all had a little bit of a, a high moment with a, a, a Batman versus Superman, the horrible movie that never happened. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I, I can't forgive them for that. Number three. They're doing yet another Batman reboot. Why? See, and I'm on the other end. I'm actually excited. Um, I agree with you 100% about Batman versus Superman. <laughs> that was so disappointing. The whole Martha scene was my biggest frustration in a movie. Um, but what I'm really excited about this new Batman just because they're finally gonna tackle on Batman as a detective. This is not gonna be the Batman that just goes in and fights. We're going to the to the ori- origin of Batman, and he's a detective. That's what he does. The only thing I'm worried about is the only 25% of the movie has been filmed. And so, there's a fourth reason why. There's a fourth reason why, real quick. Real uh-huh. quick, and then I'm gonna let you say that. The fourth reason why that complete cat garbage casserole overrated freaking Joker movie. <laughs> now go ahead. Sorry, I didn't get that out of my system. Yeah, I like that movie. Um, but I will say Joker, the villain, the Joker, I think needs to get put to rest for a while. There's so many Batman villains. There's so many good, elaborate Batman villains. We don't need to do another Joker. No more Joker for at least 30 years. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry, Joaquin Phoenix. I'm sorry, Jared Leto. I'm sorry, all you other Jokers out there. You're not going to touch Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger literally killed himself doing Joker. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Heath Ledger was... The best Joker. Yes. Sorry, I had to get that in my system. But anyways, so Batman villain, that's one of your dream roles. What's the other? If I can ever get my voice to actually sing, um, Sweeney Todd would be Mm. an ideal role. Um, I actually got the opportunity to see it off-Broadway in New York. Uh, The way they built it, they built the pie shop inside the theater. So you were sitting at the pie shop while the actors are performing around you. And just hearing that man's songs and just the creepiness of it, that's a role that I, I would, if if somebody paid me and I could take lessons to sing and get that role, I would gladly do it. Orlando, I'm gonna tell you real quick, man. I'm just gonna tell you. When I was 17, puberty killed my voice. Killed it, slaughtered it. Carmen, if you think my dance is bad, you should have saw you should have heard me singing at that time. You would have slapped me just for doing it. 
You're a 50 Cent fan. 50 Cent was freaking Brian McKnight compared to how I can see it. <laughs> so, I was horrible. Um, So, I knew I couldn't sing. So, I'm like, okay, I'm rapping. Um, rapping, yeah, rapping, rapping, cash money, all that stuff. You're 32. You know a little something about cash money. Anyway, so, so, but then... As time went on, I started doing more and more theater, singing in church choirs and stuff. I found myself in working, singing Brother Trucker, right? I was scared to death. I did it. I got great feedback. Found myself in Annie singing, you never fully dressed without a smile. I did that. So, if I can do it, I'm telling you, 17-year-old me sung so bad that um, they wanted men on the church choir that was at, at the time. I was like, I can't sing. They said, you can rap. Get on there. If I can do it, you can do it. All right. Will Smith sang in the last. <laughs> Did he? <laughs> why? Why he say that, David? Did he? <laughs> uh, he spoke rhythmically. <laughs> he went for the stars with that Arabian night. He went for it. He did. You were right. He did go for it. <laughs> but did he make it there? Is the question. <laughs> uh, I think I think he did decent with the Prince might which that doesn't really demand much of your voice. I don't know. Uh, I don't know, Carmen. You're the you're the you're the you're the, you're the uh, singing aficionado here. Um, if you could if you could grade Will Smith on the singing in uh, Aladdin, what would you give him? I get a pass on this because I haven't seen it. Who has? Uh, okay, so David, what? <laughs> you I don't know. I struggle with stunt casting sometimes when it comes to musicals. So I'm. I'll, he, he, it just seemed like something he kind of walked through. He was like, oh, crap, I got to be Aladdin in 10 minutes. And then he, <laughs> like, it was kind of one of those. Like, there's a family, a famous family guy uh, skit where, like, it's like Ben Affleck. And he's like, oh, I got to be Henry VIII in, you know, 10 minutes. He's like, hello, hello, hello. Got it. And that's, that's all his rehearsal. And it felt that way with them. But whatever. I'm also a fan of the cartoon. And I, I was a little, like, with Lion King, I was like, do we need to remake these? Do it. They do. There's money to be made, right? That's what are you why. Talking about? What are you talking about, Dave? The remakes of Lion King and Aladdin, and now I like the remake of Jungle Book. Lion King was a remake. It was live action. Yeah, no. the the live action remake. Yeah. Listen, listen. It was so bad that in my that, <laughs> that never happened. Oh, so yeah. oh, oh, gotcha. Yeah, definitely. I mean that, that no, it didn't happen. It's a, it was a dream. I was high, and I don't even, I was high off him. So, but, uh, but you know what? That is a fair assessment, David, because um, even though Aladdin was, you know, kind of like this really big deal to us theater types, um, I think Will Smith's big uh, focus was Bad Boy, was Bad Boys 3, which, you know, was really good. He was like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh. Let me go. Let me go be genie real quick. Okay, now, bad boys, bad boys. <laughs> now, um, now raise your hand if you have done backstage work. 
All of us. Okay. So I have put together. Uh, I have put together. I have helped put together costumes over at UNCG. Um, I helped build a couple sets for um, a couple of plays in Winston Salem. Um, I ran crew. I remember painting. That's what I did. Um, Carmen, what have you done? Um, you know, I did my practicum classes at UNCG, makeup design and set and um, costume. But last couple years, I've, I've helped with costume design for quite a few shows. I hid the fact that I could sew for quite some time and it kind of slipped out one day and that was the end of that. So, <laughs> um, yeah. In fact, I... This past de December, I was in The Women, um, played the, the role of Mary, and then also helped costume that show. I would not recommend that combination. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, you know what? I could tell when we were in A Midsummer Night's Dream that you had experience in costuming or you, pro or you were just bossy. Which one was it? Both, yes. <laughs> Hey, you kept me right. You kept me right. You definitely kept me right. Um, Orlando, what was your uh, backstage experience? Um, I actually have plenty. Uh, when I started off, I was doing mostly running crew um, back at the, uh, my university at UTEP. Um, so I, I did a lot of backstage until I got hired as work study um, in the scene shop. Uh, so I helped build most of the sets uh, that were run uh, those years that I was in there. Uh, and my last year, they split me up. I was doing half work study and scene shop, half in costumes, um, just because that's when I started kind of drawing costumes and getting into costume design. There was there was a show called The Balcony. So I have I have um, I'm very into horror, goth type things. Um, and my teacher saw my sketches and she was like, "You're weird." And this play is weird, so you're designing that show. And that's how I that's how I started off in costume design. Um, yeah, then that, that's what I've done. I, I've done props. Um, I did props for a dance show. Oop, yeah, a lot of everything actually. <laughs> the only thing I'm terrible at when it comes to backstage is lighting. I'm colorblind. And I cannot see where the light ends, so that's the only one that I struggle with. That's a acquired skill, lighting, and also you all. We all know this. If you are in theater and you're not a little and you're not weird, you are totally in the wrong place. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, uh, what's your uh, backstage experience, David? Uh, college, it was required to do a certain amount of crew work. Um, I believe I did wardrobe when I was in college. And then in high school, like I said, I started in the stagecraft class. So I did kind of a little bit of everything. I fell in love with lighting. For a minute, I thought I was going to be a lighting designer because uh, it was just it was, it was fun. There's something fun about it, very creative. But um, Maybe you and Orlando need to hook up and be like, look, man, this is how you do the lighting deck on it. I mean, that's the best. That's the best team, right? Everyone is is good at the thing that the other person isn't, and vice versa. Everyone's yeah. kind of match each other. I I was a stage manager once. <laughs> that's I, it. Once. I and I hated actors. <laughs> yeah, 
I did some stage management. Um, I was ASM for a couple of shows. I was an SM for one of them. Hated every mm. moment of it. Um, <laughs> I love actors when I'm performing with them. I don't love them when I'm in charge of them. Same. Actors, actors, respect your stage managers. Respect them, give them the same respect and love and vigor, vigor that you give your directors. When they say, uh, when they say break in six, say thank you six. When they say stay, uh, 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 curtains in, curtains in five, say thank you five. Give, show, put some respect on their name, daggone. Amen, y'all? Yeah. Yes. Um, so I brought, so I asked what was the, uh, I asked what was, uh, what was the backstage roles that y'all done because, you know, we could sit here and talk about what we've done on stage, but I do believe that everybody who works backstage, who does the scene design, who does the set, who does the set design, who does the dramaturgy, who does the, who does the lighting and the sound design and the daggone and all of that, they're, they're, they're basically the unsung heroes, right? And God bless and God bless the, the director. Um, the director has to put all that together, right, David? Absolutely. Now, I bet it's kind of like, you know, no, 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 I want to yellow on this side. No, no, I want the drums on that side, right? Yeah, I, I find that directing is a lot different than I had kind of thought it was. I always thought, oh, director's the boss and he tells where people to stand and then they stand there and then the show is what he thinks it. And it <clears throat> has never been that once. And I think the best skill you can have as a director is to to lead people and also constantly rethink and reimagine things because you know, I was equated to, you know, conducting an, a symphony. You should know how to play the tuba and how it's played, but you're not playing the tuba. You're leading the tuba player to the place you would like them to go. And sometimes the tuba players are not gonna go the way you wanna go. And that is your truth. And it, if you fight against it, they will win. They're the people playing. So I find that way with actors and designers and everything. If you find that they're not going to or can't get to where you need them to be for whatever reason, be it I want the yellow dress, not the red dress, or a performance, it's kind of up to you to work with that. Because I think in my na naivete before I actually directed, I was like, well, then if the actor won't do what you tell them to, you just fire them. And if the mm -hmm. designer give you the red dress, then you fire them. You can just do what you want. And it's just not at all that. And it's not inspiring to the people who are creating. Uh, so I find that, you know, being able to conduct that symphony in a way that everyone wants to follow your beat is going to give you the show you want. Um, no. You know, uh, to that point, to that point, because, you know, I've, I've played, uh, I've done, I've done producing and stuff, producing, directing simultaneously, and, you know, replacing an actor, you know, yeah, there's, there's like others who could, will be good for the role too, but, if you cast that particular actor, you have been, you have put so much stock, so much faith, so much belief into, into them, and them not working out is heartbreaking, right? It's heartbreaking, and it's also, I mean, again, practical and artistic. Like, it's financially 
difficult. It's expensive to hire an actor often. So if a producer doesn't, you know, a producer may say it's going to cost me too much money to hire casting and rehearsal and like, you just got to work with it. I've had to fire actors before and it's not fun. It's never fun at all. Um, but it is, that's why I think the best directors are great at casting to kind of avoid some of those traps of, you know, I, I should have seen this coming. Um, but, you know, you, you invest a lot of emotional energy and f money into theater and casts and stuff. So you can't just be wrong all the time and just be changing your mind. And I don't know, maybe I want something a little more like this. Something more like, and as you know, time is, 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 is a terrible thing for us. So there's always that ticking clock of, oh, no, we are opening in a week. You want to replace your lead for the third time because she's not singing the way you want her to? Uh, so you get really good, I think, at um, casting and being able to see problems before they get there and or when problems arrive, being able to navigate them very quickly. Yeah, like, yeah, like, um, I, Cass Orlando, in my play that I'm putting up on November 6th um, on Zoom and YouTube, um, Aprenda es Espanol. Um, and I know that I'm going to be I know, and so far, I'm very happy with that cast because Orlando's a good guy to work with, very talented and whatnot, um, very professional. So as we start to wrap, as we start to wrap this up, um, two quick, two questions, two questions, one for David and one for everybody. Uh, David, I'm thirty. David, uh, this is for people in my age group, right? Um. Would you, someone who has worked on Broadway, would you say that someone who is 35, 36, 37, 40, 50, whatever, if they decided, you know what, I've been sleeping on this dream way too damn long, Let, I'm going to make a push for it. Is it too late? No. The answer is no. I'll, I can go in more detail, but the answer is no. It's never too late. It, 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 Broadway has changed. Broadway, like art, is constantly reimagining itself and constantly changing, and especially popular art and popular theater is constantly changing. If you had asked me that question 25 years ago, I would have said, yeah, it's a little late. If, you, you know, if you're not Dan, you're not young, you're not beautiful, you're not this, you're not that. Um, but theater, especially in the past five years, has been desperate for diversity, and I think it's first been racial, which is obviously imperative, but I think it is also eager to find different faces and bodies and uh, abilities and stories and sounds, and it's not a kind of homogenous, it's, there's, there's not as much for, you know, like a Rodgers and Hammerstein show, like, they all fit in the same gift box, right? That is not what Broadway wants to be anymore. So I think somebody who is 50, and I'm actually writing a movie about this, somebody who is 50 and has been sleeping on a dream for too long and wants to come to New York is going to have so much more to give than she probably did maybe at 20. And I think Broadway is now ready for that. Broadway is hungry for that. Broadway is getting a little tired of the kind of proscenium, curtain up, people talk, curtain goes down, lights get... That kind of theater is becoming a little boring. So I think somebody new who's had this dream for a while to kind of come to the city, I, I think that Broadway is ready for that. Also, Broadway's dead. 
and Broadway's going to be dead for probably another year or so. So who knows what is going to rise out of the ashes? What? The but no, but Adrian, there's a there's a phoenix coming out of these ashes, and this is an opportunity for these people who have had this dream that they've been sitting on to come to New York and make Broadway what they need it to be. And that means all the stories we haven't been able to hear, all the people we haven't been able to see, the storytelling, the venues. Oh my God, can we please not sit in a proscenium house anymore? That I think is what's going to be the, the biggest joy that we get out of this whole crazy mess is that we have to reimagine Broadway. On the practical side, on financially, like w people aren't gonna spend $400 anymore a ticket. They just can't. And theater owners can't keep shows open unless they're at 70% capacity and spending three and $400. That's just not possible anymore. So it, it's it's the time I think now to come to New York City. And also New York City is always gonna be here. It's the place to have your, just chase your dreams. Like I, I believe in the romance of it and I think go for it. And I'm only 40 by the way. I'm not that much older than you guys. So. I'll be up there, I'll be up there for New Year's. Harmon, who, Harmon who, uh, I'm sorry, but while he was thinking, while he was saying all that, I was thinking about how you made, I was thinking about how you said that you made the decision not to fully chase his career. Personally, as a friend, and someone who has worked with you twice, and who have seen you lower your incredibly intelligent level of intelligence down, way down to portray Betsy DeVos, <laughs> I forgot about seeing that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that, I think that, you know, I'm planning on making a push for it. And we're only two years apart. I think you should make a push for it. I really do. So, David, you know, thinking of chasing that dream, you know, when you're when you're my age, we won't say what that age is, but it's two years from Adrian one way or the other. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you are, you know, setting your career and everything. How, how do you chase that dream? I mean, you just have to get here. I, I, I could give go into more detail, but I think it's like the gym. How, okay, what's the best way to work out? Because it's the kind of body I want, but I really want to go there, so maybe... If I go there, just get there. Just get in the car and get there. Once you're there, something will happen. Now, if you get more practical, I would say, shoot, you know, sublet a room so you're not tied down or have to buy any furniture for three to six months. Um, you probably already have a a personal network here of people you know that live in New York City. You you have two right now that you can call and be like, can we just have coffee in Midtown? And you could just like tell me what to do. And then you just audition. You audition all the time. You do all the free readings you can of all the new playwrights. Um, I'm always shocked at the amount of actors I get when I like in a negative way when I have a new piece I want read just a table read it's like struggle to find actors I'm like guys this is the time to get in with playwrights composers producers because you start becoming that person when they do those rewrites they're like man Carmen's so good and but Carmen would say it more like this and then all of a sudden you are in that play um <clears throat> so I say just my big, biggest advice would be just get here and Here's the other thing, and I and if you all ever come to New York City, anybody listening to this ever comes to New York City to chase a dream or LA or whatever, and you decide to come back to home or to go somewhere else, 
Don't look at it as a failure. I think a lot of people get very embarrassed. They're like, well, I had to come back home because I didn't quite make enough money yet and I still want to do it. <clears throat> people do that. The biggest names on Broadway do that all the time. You coming back to your hometown to, to North Carolina and chilling out for another year, maybe saving up and going back for another three months. Like that's how this city works. So never feel ashamed or embarrassed. Come when you're ready. And actually, no, it's a lie. Come now. Don't come when you're ready because you'll never be ready. I'm still not ready. And I've been here for almost years. Um, I'm still not. I'm still working up the, the nerve to actually do something. Uh, but just get here. That's my advice. You have a fan. I mean, you already, Adrian is, speaks to the world of you. You know, you have two friends here already. I mean, you're, you're good. Awesome. Thank you for that. Uh, just so you know, I'm planning on taking that advice too, there, going shoot. <laughs> do ADQ's Renaissance from a Starbucks, from a Star, no, do ADQ's Renaissance from a black owned business in Harlem or something. Um, so, as we, so like I said, as we wrap this up, cause it's 10.35 PM, people got stuff to do in the morning. Um, so Carmen, after hearing all that, what is next for Miss Carmen Dees? I'm not entirely sure. I, I think, um, but I'm, but hold on, hold on, hold on. But let me do the follow-up. Um, one of the things I continue to do is just, you know, work on my craft, which means continuing my, even in the midst of COVID, you know, continue to work on my voice and, um, creative ways to to stay tuned in what's going on and um and then for me it's going to be being open to what opportunities present themselves great answer beautiful answer um orlando what's next for you um i'm going to be doing a reading of this wonderful play uh november 6th called aprende espanol <laughs> um and as far as in general in life, um, David, uh, I'm thankful uh, for what you said about uh, leaving New York and coming back because I feel like um, right now that's that might be where I'm headed, where I leave for a bit, recharge a bit. I feel like I found a new love in playwriting, and that's definitely one that I'm going to target. I want to write and write, but especially with everything that's happened, it's been emotionally and financially draining. Um, so I'm looking to have the possibility of heading out for a bit, but definitely I think New York is such an open opportunity that I'm so willing to come back and just jump right back at it. All right, nice, nice, nice. That does sound like a really dope play. Uh, David, what's next for you? So I was right when COVID happened, I was directing a new musical in LA, uh, brand new, uh, about a Chinese-American immigrant who owns a mannequin factory and the mannequins come to life. <laughs> totally normal musical. <laughs> it was oh, nanas, but so fun, and I was having such a great time. I'm hoping that that is revived next year or the year after. Um, but in the meantime, like Orlando, I have, I have always written television and movies, but I have always hungered to write a play. And for some reason, it's so hard. It's been so hard and TV is so easy to write and plays are so hard. So um, what's next for me is I, I'm i taking a playwriting class, just starting from the beginning, just to force myself to have some accountability. And so uh, I'm gonna focus on my writing while COVID is, you know, rearing his, her ugly head. 
and uh, hopefully come out of this with a couple or at least a play so yeah well um well i'm i'm relatively new to the whole playwriting thing um Aprenda Espanol is going to be my third play that I've uh, put up publicly, and you know I'm very excited about it. I wrote it like um, two two years ago and stuff, and you know, okay. So uh, real quick, real quick, I'm going to share with y'all my te- my playwriting technique. Okay, two things. Number one, sit down, write, just write, write, refine everything label, just write. Number two, if an idea is in your head. I keep, I love touching my locks. I don't know why. Um, if an idea is in your head and you find yourself um, making up lines on the fly and talking to yourself, that's when that's when you got something. That's what I've done with everything that I put out so far. So, if the, that the best the best advice or the best uh, description I ever heard of writing a play is everything gets worse until it explodes. <laughs> a play everything gets worse and then it explodes i was like oh that's fantastic so if somebody so if so carmen if somebody wanted to uh say amen to me and saying that you are like a wonderful person to work with um um if somebody wanted to tell you how great of a singer that you are or if some or if you needed to to tell a Shakespearean caster out there somewhere that you know how how you nailed it as Hippolyta. Um, how can people get in contact with you? Oh, um, you can find me on social media. You can email me. You can uh, call me. What, what are we giving out here, Adrian? What's your email? Social media. You know, just ways for just ways for David's uh, director friends in New York to contact you. All right, David. Here, here's my info. <laughs> uh, find me on Facebook at Carmen Page. You can find me um, Instagram Indian Larkin. Um, what what was that, Adrian? I didn't know you had an Instagram called the Indian Lark Indian Larkin. Yeah, so like the letters Indian. Okay. Oh, I'm okay. watching. I'm watching it go across. <laughs> I'm gonna look that up. Yeah, Indian Larkin. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I can be old school too. We can do email here too. Emails are old school. Go ahead, go ahead. Give them your email. CPDs at gmail.com. All right. Um, Orlando, how can, how can people contact you? Um, I would say, I, I mean, I have a Facebook. You can find me on Facebook. It's just Orlando Rodriguez. Um, and I would uh, I have Instagram. Um, it's at Orlando.f.rodriguez. And I think that's all I have right now because I got rid of Twitter and I got rid of other stuff. Get real Twitter. You were scared that uh, Trump was going to find you or something? No, it's just uh, I'd rather just not look at it. So I went away for a while. <laughs> good idea. Good idea. David, um, how can people contact you? I am at David FM Vaughn everywhere on the internet. All the platforms, it's the same. So David FM Vaughn. Beautiful. And if you want to contact me, my email is adq4, the number four, Christ, as in Jesus Christ, at gmail.com, adq4christ at gmail.com. My uh, Twitter handle is avenueadq underscore 85. 
That's right, named after Avenue Q. Uh, my Instagram is Dion Chocolate God 85. And uh, my uh, Facebook, you want to find me on Facebook, is my full name, Adrian Dion Quarles, A D R I A N D I O N Q U A R L E S. Please don't call CIA on me. Coming up next, uh, coming up uh, on Wednesday on ADQ's Renaissance, I'm going to be talking with my man, my, my good friend, Jermaine Stubwell. And on Saturday, chopping up with my brother, Nat Man. Uh, look out for James Lyons play in Winston-Salem, Battle of the Sexes. And look for <laughs> Aprenda Espanol, November 6th. Zoom, YouTube, written by your boy, starring your boy Orlando. So I'm looking forward to that. Carmen, I can't wait to work with you again. Um, um, when I'm when when I'm doing new plays and whatnot, I'm like to myself for some of the t- for most of the time, unless I know people. But when I was but when we did Barnum, I made a new friend out of you. And yo, real and yo. When Do you we remember did, what we bonded over first, though? We did not bond over the fact that I thought that you were white first. <laughs> yeah, we did not. <laughs> This is true. And then you were so perplexed by my love for 90s hip hop that, um, that too. That too. <laughs> I, but then, yeah, yeah, I had to realize, oh, we in the same age group, of course. You love 90s hip hop, I love 90s hip hop, except I love the good 90s hip hop. Oh, <laughs> 50 Cent, really? No, 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 no. it was not a 50 Cent, <laughs> it was 2000s anyway. Like what? That would be 2000s anyway. <laughs> true very true very true but yeah yeah that's how yeah that's what we bonded over because TLC when we were when we were at a cast party at your house and you were playing at TLC I was like which one of these white people is playing TLC <laughs> no offense David <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was thinking and then then I was then uh then Carmen was singing along. I think you were singing along. Don't go chasing waterfalls. I was like, Carmen, you my sister. Mm. <laughs> and then we bonded and we've been good. <laughs> yes, and you care and actually real quick, I'ma tell you, a midsummer night's dream. I tried Shakespeare like two times before that and fell flat on my face. Screw you, Shakespeare. But then when we did Midsummer Night's Dream, I, I blame you. That was my that was my successful <laughs> shot at Shakespeare. Well, thank you, my Hippolyta. Thank yes, you. Yes, the world's shortest Hippolyta. That was me. <laughs> the world's greatest Hippolyta. That was you. That and ended up being a lot of fun. It was. It was. It was. And thanks to you, uh, my costume was right. <laughs> every night, every show. <laughs> And Orlando, man, I can't wait to I can't wait to do a print of Espanol. David, I can't wait to do Broadway with you. It's gonna happen. We should do a play called uh Adrian Rat This Up, the musical. Adrian, wrap this up. We got to go. I tell you what, Adrian, wrap wrap it up and then figure out how to wrap us all into one play. Say it one more time. After you wrap this up, figure out how to wrap us all into one play. I, I, I'll do that. Sure, I'll do that. I'll do that. Y'all, y'all will be the y'all will be the singing sleepy 
sleepy people. Adrian, stop talking. It's time to go. No? <laughs> okay, that's one idea that should say in my head. But yo, thank y'all very much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, David, for your pearls of wisdom. Thank you, Orlando, for all you bring to the theater and stuff. Um, thank you, Carmen. In fact, Carmen Orlando, I'm just going to say especially thank you because in my theater travels, I haven't seen that many Native people. I haven't seen that many uh, Mexican-American people. So, y'all, bring more of your people into the theater, please. Yes. With that being said, this ADQ's Renaissance, I say Ashe. Y'all have a wonderful evening. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Good night. Welcome back to ADQ's Renaissance here at this here black market gathering black business joint. Now, <clears throat> I don't have the wrong one, I promise. So, earlier we talked to Miss Tiffany Grant. Now, let's talk to her significant, her significant other. Brother, what's your real name? My name is Alvin Warren. Now, please tell the people about your business. All right, so uh, what you got is... Um, this one or the other one? Huh? This one? Everything, man, everything. So we got, appreciate the opportunity, um, ADQ. Yes, sir. Um, but we have Flydye Co. That's Flydye Co. F-L-Y-D-Y-E-C-O dot com. And at Insta on Instagram is at flydieco.com, spelled the same way. Um, which is a clothing company that started back in 2013. It's basically tie-dye socks, tie-dye shirts, pennies, and bras, underwear. So basically, it looked like a rainbow during foreplay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Then we got um, we had um, um, Catman Express, which is a logistics company. We we do long over the road um, deliveries for different uh, warehouses and different companies. Uh, we're currently looking for looking to hire uh, two people, or actually about six people. So we have people to swap out, but we pay anywhere from six to eight hundred a week, uh, just depending on the miles that are that are that are give, that are given in that week. But no no less than six hundred a week. Um, then we also I also do um, I have um, uh, a, a media company called Media Key Films. Uh, it's actually Media Key. Photo video, that's spelled um, M-E-D-I-A-K-E-Y, photovideo.com. Uh, you can call me to book me for a photo session, video shoots. I'm, I'm, I've worked with uh, Plies, I've worked with Rick Ross, I've worked with T.I.'s, T.I.'s Kids. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've worked with a lot of uh, influential cats. Uh, yeah, so you just, just tap in, book your session. Reach out to uh, Catman Express. That's C A T M A N X P R E S S dot com. If you're interested in um, driving for us, um, thank you, thank you, brother. Yes, sir. And we are going to talk with this brother more in depth. See what, see how he films, how he videos, how he finds something that is worth, you know, recording and whatnot. We were definitely going in depth on that one day. But yeah, thank you for sharing, sir. Man, y'all got dag on Black Wall Street in that house. Y'all going, y'all kids gonna be dag on Fortune 500 CEOs one day, all of them.
Well, it's great, y'all. Very, y'all, very inspirational. Very inspirational. But thank you for sharing, sir. Thank you. You too. How y'all doing? Please tell the people what y'all got going on over here. This is my podcast, ADQ's Renaissance. Okay, ADQ's Renaissance. I'm Porsche, and this is Tish, you know, from Texas, and we brought y'all some things that taste like Texas. Uh, what we got, Tish? We got some vegan Frito pies. Kind of like vegan Frito pie. pie. It's kind of like Nacho's cousin, but a more mature palate. Ooh. Mm. Say it, say it, say it again for us. Say it again for us North Carolinians. It's kind of like Nacho's cousins, but for a more mature palate. And very tasty. Hear from a customer right there. I don't, I don't lie. This is, and this is second one. This is this is the second. So this is for real. <laughs> so so so. So what is it, right? I'm trying to get south of 270, so I can't get two. Mm-hmm. But uh, I am gonna get one. I promise, I'm gonna get one. I'm gonna get one. Gotta try this out. So what it is is my own homemade, my own homemade chili. Um, it's the base is like it's straight up lentils and, and beans and stuff right from the earth. And you put that over corn chips. I make my own sour cream, vegan sour cream. You hit it with some cheese, sour cream, chives, and uh, jalapenos, brother. Mm, boom! It's a whole experience. Okay, so do y'all have like a place where you, where someone could gain access to this and anything else that y'all fix on a regular basis? Yeah. So right now we're online, and what we're doing is just pop ups. Uh, we recently just when I say we're from Texas, we just got here not even two months ago. But this is our second event, so y'all give us some time, and we'll we're definitely gonna have that have us more available. So what do y'all have? So what's your uh, what's your what's your website? Uh, right now we're on Facebook and we're on Instagram at Taste Like Texas, and that's Taste with an S. So Taste with an S, like Texas, T X. Taste like Texas. Because when you eat this, brother, this stuff tastes like Texas. <laughs> so if you want to get a taste of the Houston Rockets, Ted Cruz, Dagon Joel Olsen. <laughs> So you need to get a little taste of this. That's what I'm talking about. Now, I'm about to get one of these, y'all. Let's see if they take credit. I will, I will. Um, I will make sure to go on Facebook and be like, yo, this taste, this don't, this don't taste like taste, it tastes like, no, I'm playing. No, it tastes even better. It tastes like heaven. So let me see if they'll take a debit card over here. Cash out. Cash out, that works. Cash out, okay. It's right there in the front. If you step to the front, you'll see the dream.